Hey everyone, welcome to the Work Friends Podcast, where we bring meaningful conversations to you. I'm Jen Brubaker, and I'm here with my co-host, work and real friend, Ainsley Stanley. This season on the podcast, we're chatting with some of our other work friends from across our country who are part of the Youth Unlimited YFC family. We'll hear their stories, why they do what they do, and how they're furthering God's kingdom in Canada. So watch the Olympics, go for a run, do whatever you need to do, and enjoy today's episode. Today on the podcast, we are chatting with Marianne Deeks, who is a psychotherapist, uh, does a lot of work helping youth and other people, and she does it all under the umbrella of YFC in the Youth Unlimited uh, Toronto chapter. Uh, We had an amazing conversation just talking about her work and about how to support young people, and it's a really insightful and encouraging conversation. So enjoy. All right, so this is your official welcome to the Work Friends podcast, Marianne. So thank you so much for being with us. We are like just pumped for this. I've listened to you speak at a few conferences, met you at one conference, and now we get to sit down and record, which is super exciting. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we like to start off all of our conversations just getting to know um, our guests a little bit. And so we like to do some fun facts. So we'll just go through some of these and get to learn some things about you. And uh, first off is, where did you grow up? I grew up in Richmond Hill, Ontario, which is just north of Toronto. Um, Yeah, it's where I was born and raised. Then I went off to university. So there. Uh, What would be your ideal day? Okay, so (laughs) I had to think about this one. Um, I would probably spend two or three hours mountain biking. Uh, We live in an area that's got some great mountain biking, so we'd go there with some friends. And then we'd somehow, we, I don't know, that would be my family, um, we'd go to a lake of some sort and spend some time um, either in the water or on the water in some sort of floating boat. And then we would end the day with uh, a great dinner with friends and family, and that would be the day. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, And kind of going with that, I guess, then having dinner. If you could have dinner with three people, dead or alive, who would they be? Yeah, this was a good question, too. Um, I would probably actually say um, Elijah (laughs) from the Bible. Mm. Um, I would love to uh, have a conversation with Mother Teresa. And then I probably would love to sit down and chat with Taylor Swift, actually. (laughs) I know, it's very random. I would love that. As someone who loves Taylor, I love it. Yeah, I would just love to know. Yeah, she just, it would be great to sit down with her and just, yeah, hear about her life and how she ended up where she is. So, yeah, those would be my three people. That would be an interesting dinner table. Elijah and Taylor Swift. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it would be. (laughs) But I think she could handle it. True. That's true. She she does do that well. So Uh, what is the best place you've been to? Um, So just before COVID hit, our family went to Italy and there is one part of Italy that we went to called Cinque Terre. And, um, yeah, I would probably say Italy and, um, that specific part and then Tuscany we went to as well. So that was the one with my family, but then my husband and I 
before several years ago. We went to Antigua, so very, very different trips, but also very unbelievable place. So those would probably be the two. Mm. Cool. I know it said one, but I said two. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> we love cheating here. It's just fine. <laughs> if you were not working at YFC, what would you be doing? Um, <laughs> probably photojournalism. Cool. I know. It's super random. I'm not really a big photographer, but I really love to travel. And I'm like, okay, I'd become a photographer then. <laughs> that would be it, probably. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Because I'm not doing that, so I could pick whatever it's I wanted. True. Yeah. You can pick anything under the sun. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> well, aside from those fun facts, just tell us about yourself and what life looks like for you right now. Um, okay. So I am married to a, a great man um, who, for 24 years, almost in September, I have uh, three daughters. Uh, my oldest daughter is in university, and then I have a daughter in grade 11 and then grade 10. So currently, um, I work from home as a registered psychotherapist and under the Youth for Christ umbrella. I do have an office in Newmarket, which is just north of Toronto as well. And um, but currently we're working from home. Um, yeah, and then I spend my kind of free time outside mostly. So whether that's cross country skiing or running or doing in the in the summer, it would be a lot of biking. Um, trying to find joy in every day because right now with COVID, otherwise I think it's stifling. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just trying to find the fun. The fun and what we can do right now, but that's kind of what we're my day looks like right now. It's definitely been an interesting journey, regardless of who I talk to, wherever they are on the scale of how they feel about this. It's like, yep, the journey <laughs> continues. <Yeah. laughs> and it works for every conversation, but it is true. And a good reminder mm -hmm. to, to be intentional about finding joy in those things and actually, yeah doing things that you enjoy in a season that isn't necessarily ideal. Yeah. And it's, it's often not, um, super <laughs> extravagant, but you know, whatever that looks like, whether it's outside or inside, just connecting with people, I don't know, trying to stay, stay mm -hmm. ahead of the frustration. Yeah. So it's okay. It is um, what it is right now. Mm hmm. Yeah, well, I'm really excited to sit down with you today. We're going to be here about your ministry and, and how you came to YFC, but we're also going to dive into your own personal story. So what have been some of the most formative experiences in your faith journey this far? So I would say what the first significant one was I spent a year traveling after university and uh, seven months of that was in Africa. And then I spent five months traveling around Europe. But in that year, the seven months in Africa was probably one of the most significant, um, just because you had you were on your own. There was no accountability to anyone, and so um, figuring out what mattered to me, and um, I met some amazing people, which is actually part of the story of Youth for Christ. Actually, because I ended up connecting with Youth for Christ mm -hmm. overseas, um, and just really having time alone. Uh, with God and really leaning into him for support. And there was obviously seasons of loneliness being all by myself. So, um, yeah, he showed up pretty cool ways. So that was very formative. And then the other one, which is kind of, um, filtered in and out of 
Africa and that year traveling was um, I spent three summers at Muskoka Woods. And uh, when I finished high school, so this is actually actually this is actually before I traveled. Um, I went to Muskoka Woods and I met two amazing women that worked there and they just answered so many questions that I had with regards to faith and growth. And yeah, they just did not, they didn't back down from my questions. They never made me feel dumb. And so it was such a a pivotal time in my faith journey to be able to ask those questions and not feel like I was being judged. And, um, that kind of continued over the next, those seasons of being Mm -hmm. at camp and it kept changing and growing obviously as different things would come up, but that was a huge formative part as well. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and tell us more about kind of your start with, uh, YFC. You know, you said you kind of got connected with them a little bit overseas, but, uh, maybe more how you got into actually working Mm -hmm. with them. Sure. So, um, when I, when I did my traveling, I, um, ended up in Ireland, um, and I was there for a bit. And one of my friends was connected to Youth for Christ Ireland. And so we would do, um, like youth events and I started volunteering with Youth for Christ Ireland. And then partway through my stay there, I was there for three months. And then partway through my stay there, someone asked if I would be interested in running a drop-in in one of the small villages in Ireland, but it wasn't built yet. So they said, go home and think about it and pray about it and see you know, what you're feeling. Because of course, immediately you're like, yeah, I want to do that. <laughs> um, but I came, I came back to Canada and I just really actually felt like my time traveling needed to come to an end and it wasn't, it wasn't what God wanted me to do. Um, so I, I started to look around Toronto and realized there was a Youth for Christ Toronto and uh, I connected with them and I started to volunteer uh, with Youth for Christ Toronto in a drop-in center um, North in the, the north end of Toronto. And then um, probably a year after that, I started to work for Youth for Christ part-time. And then I worked in an office part-time and then eventually shifted over into, into only Youth for Christ. So that's how I got connected. Hmm. That is so cool. I think about like, yeah, it's cool to hear. Like, that's a cool story. But thinking about the reality of that, of... Yeah, I just think, like we were talking beforehand, I just think it's so cool how God moves and invites us in to join him in what he is doing. And specifically with Youth for Christ and how, yeah, Yeah. you got connected in Ireland. That is one of my dreams, personally. You're talking about traveling all over Africa (laughs) and then Europe. I'm like, what a dream. But how he used that to bring you to where you are now. I just think it's it's so cool to hear you reflect and think back on that time in your life. So from my understanding, then you worked at Youth for Christ and then you actually went back to school to become a psychotherapist. What made you, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, make that decision? Yeah. So, um, like I said, I worked in this drop-in and then when I started to work there, I worked, um, I did the drop-in and then I worked in school ministry as well. And so, um, as you guys can both totally understand that because you do the same, but, um, there was this, uh, back and forth. So you would know these youth in, um, the school and then they would come to the drop-in and it was really awesome. And then I moved, um, we bought a house North of the city and I got connected to the high school in my town. 
And I worked in that school for 12 years um, as well. And same kind of thing, like it was a very odd time because I had full access to the school. I coached. I worked in the uh, guidance office. I had an office there. It was very, yeah, very like kind of unheard of at the time. And um, but in light of all that, I often had students come into the guidance office and we would have these really great conversations. And then they would say, I'd say, you really need a therapist. And they would say, no, you're my therapist. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not a therapist. <laughs> so um, over the course of many of those conversations, I just thought I'd, I wanted to be able to answer those deeper questions because the relationship was amazing and I loved what I did, but I really was sensing that there was a bit of a gap in, um, in allowing them to process and understand and work through some of the bigger things that they were dealing with. So, mm. yeah. So, um, after discussions with my husband and just kind of w working it through, I applied in 2012 to Tyndale where you could do like slowly work on it. You didn't have to do it so fast because my girls were quite young at the time. So I started with one course and then I just, yeah, kept plugging away at that. So by 2018, I graduated and yeah, shifted into that. That's so cool. good. Yeah. What a neat <laughs> way um, just to, to serve people better. And I think that's neat because like your heart for everything kind of stayed the same, but you were able to kind of be equipped to to serve better, which I think is really, really awesome. Um, what would you say are some of the biggest issues and things that you're noticing in your practice right now when it comes to young people? Like you've still been practicing throughout this whole uh, pandemic, so I'm sure you're getting to hear lots of things. So yeah, just enlighten us. What do you see as some of the big issues right now? Well, as um, I think everyone's pretty aware, there's the, uh, the epidemic of mental health. Mm -hmm. So we have that, of course. So there's been um, definitely an increase in suicidal ideations. Um, anxiety, of course, is a big one. Depression. Um, so all those mental health components. And then uh, I would say loneliness is a huge one as well. Mm -hmm. Just a lack of community. Um, a lot of youth are really feeling disconnected. Um, that would be one as well. Uh, I would say that one of the words would be lost. There's a lot of lack of direction, um, lock, a lack of uh, positive role models. Um, <laughs> should I keep going? <laughs> There's insecurities, mm -hmm. of course, <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and a lot of anxiety about the future. Um, I find it interesting because this generation is growing up with terrorism and um, the climate crisis and they have uh, the forest fires, which which is of course part of the clim climate change. And then you have, um, because of all the school shootings and all the things going on, they have um, lockdown starting in kindergarten. So all of that is kind of building on the anxiety that's happening. And then of course, everything is on their phones. So mm -hmm. the pressure with social media and all the things that are, it's kind of like this perfect storm that we're seeing, I think, with uh, what our young people are facing in the midst of a pandemic. So, yeah, yeah. it's tricky. There's a lot of tricky things going mm -hmm. on. Do you find that the pandemic has just, like, exacerbated all those things, like, made it even worse? Like, I found it to be, like, a bit of a pressure cooker for our students. Um, definitely the anxiety and the um, depression and particularly 
as it continues and then we we obviously start to come out of the lockdowns and then it's it happens again Mm. so just a a lack of motivation um disconnection from I don't know what the word would be almost apathy because it's like well why bother it's going to get locked down again this is not what's going on and of course this is what I'm seeing which is often the people that are struggling the most right as opposed Mm -hmm. to there's no doubt there's some students that are doing really really well but I think across the board, just talking to colleagues and friends of mine that do the same sort of thing, everyone's pretty busy. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, it's it's interesting to think that we, I mean, some of the things that you touched on are outside of COVID. And yeah, like you said, COVID yeah. definitely highlights some of the, those other things. But for people listening right now, like we have a lot of people who are around Ainsley and I's age, like young adults. We have parents. We have like other youth workers, grandparents even listening to this. Amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. (laughs) With what you're saying, seeing right now, how can we as caring adults, parents, youth leaders, youth workers, whatever, um, navigate these things with young people in a practical way? Yeah, for sure. I think one of the reasons why I love youth ministry so much and um, whatever that looks like, whatever the capacity is, because it it comes down to relationships. And mm-hmm. ultimately, even for ourselves, I think when you break it down, having a connection to somebody is such a huge factor for us to um, walk forward. And so I think the biggest thing that I would say as far as navigating it is relationship. And what does that mean? Um, The importance of creating safe spaces for teens to talk. So that means one without judgment. Um, When I listen to them talk, teenagers, often they'll say, you know, I don't need to be taught. There's not everything is a teachable moment. And um, I was just listening to a podcast actually the other day, and I think the best way to say it is creating emotional safety. Mm. So open-ended questions and just allowing them to process. And I think often what we forget is what's happening in their brains that sometimes we are getting the raw data. We're just hearing all that's going on in their head. And then sometimes as parents, particularly, we take what we're being what we're hearing and we are saying, oh my goodness, they're going down this road. I have to stop it. I have to, you know, I have to push on it. I have to make it better. I'm responsible for this. When in reality, if we just listen, eventually we get the opportunity to answer questions or, or ask questions that they actually are thinking themselves. So yeah, creating emotional safety would probably be the biggest one. Um, I think that from my understanding and what I've seen is that most of the kids or teenagers that we work with are, they're just desperate to be seen and to be known and to be heard and to be loved regardless of how they present, whether it's, you know, hair color or the way they talk or whatever it may be. And so I think that's the other piece, right? Accepting them for where they're at and then allowing them to do their journey with us walking beside them and not, forcing our opinions and views and stuff on uh, whatever's going on for them. Mm. And then the last, I think, is um, 
being aware of our own anxieties or our own fears. And uh, when we can start to understand that, then we can also help them walk through things a little easier and a little, um, yeah, more without attaching all of our stuff onto the youth that we're working with or the kids Mm -hmm. in our, in our homes. So. Yeah. I think that that is definitely a big one for a lot of people, especially when I think everybody I'm noticing, I haven't met anyone yet. Maybe there's some people, like you said, that are doing and thriving right now. Um, I have yet to meet someone that's not at least with like a, like a low grade emotional charge right now. And is feeling like, um, just a little bit. And so I find even just with that, it's like, everybody's walking into conversations with like at least a little bit of anxiety or a little bit of just even not like you know general anxiety but just anxiety about conversations I've noticed that lately like you know you're just wondering what Mm -hmm. people are thinking or how they're feeling about what's going on Mm -hmm. and there's so much tension and one wrong word can set off a lot right now yeah and I think that when you're bringing those things into conversations like it's really hard to be like that's not what's important right now we need to like deal with this on my own and kind of come to that um do you have any sort of uh recommendations or tips for like how to do that how to process well ourselves or just even how to set boundaries in those things well I um I think to have our own space to talk things through. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when we, I know that sometimes, sometimes as parents or even as youth workers, we take things and we think we're responsible for them or it's ownership of, let me use an example. I think it with parents, we have a plan for how our kids are, we want them to turn out often. And the reality is, is they're their own individual people. And so we get the chance to walk beside them. I think processing or understanding what's going on in our own minds with our group of people, like our own uh, support people, is really important so that when we enter conversations with our kids, we're not like doing it out of fear or because we think they're going to end up down here and then, oh, this is going to happen and then this is going to happen. But ultimately, especially um, if you are walking in faith as well, trusting that God is in the process. And so, again, I I really appreciated the conversation that I heard on this podcast talking about we get all this raw data that really, when we can create a relationship with our own kids to be able to unpack it or hear what's going on, then it's like, okay, wait a minute, we can start to ask questions about it or allow them to talk more about it. So that's parent, the parent side of it. But then with youth workers, I think the whole idea, same thing, is we don't own those youth. We don't have to save them. We don't have to have all the answers. So allowing them to have the conversations with us and then maybe it's someone else that they can bring other stuff up with. And I can think of an example where I had a youth very early in my ministry um, and we, we would do breakfast and have all this great, these great conversations. And then I found out that she was meeting with our youth pastor as well to talk about different things. And at first I was like, what? That's my, that's my kid. Like that's my youth. And then I was like, wait a minute, hold on. This is, she's not mine. This is amazing that she has the opportunity to talk to someone else about other things. And so it just changed the dynamic because I was allowed to hear what she wanted to share with me and question and push and, and just listen. And then she was able to do the same with someone else. And I think that's really important as well, understanding that 
we're not there for ourselves. What's our motive to be in youth ministry, I think, is a really good question as well. Are we there because we need to have a pat on the back and um, it helps us? Or are we there to just listen and encourage and be a supportive adult in the life of some of these teens? So, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but... It's good. Mm -hmm. It's funny that you say that because literally this morning I was thinking about a certain situation that's just been really uh, heavy. (laughs) And I noticed, like, I feel it in my chest. Like, I get a little... I a little I get anxious and frustrated about it and in my quiet time I'm like do my breathing you know like trying to quiet (laughs) myself down (laughs) and over and over and over again I'm so I just Jen I'm God and you are not be faithful to me and over the last few weeks that over and over and over again God you're God and I'm not I want to be faithful to you. And it's hard. Like, it's hard yeah. to let that go. And yet that's what we're called to do. Like, we're not the one who who saves people, whether it's a friend, whether it's a family member, whether it's a student. And so thanks for saying that, because I think it's really easy to just kind of keep doing what we're doing. And we forget to pause and and yeah, be reminded that this isn't on mm. us. We yeah. get to do this with Jesus. Yeah. And um, yeah, we weren't meant yeah. to save the world. And that's good news. <laughs> Well, and and the reality is, in some cases, if I can just go to the counseling side of it for a minute, you have students or or people that come in and quite frankly, they don't want to change. Mm-hmm. Like they may be in counseling, especially with teenagers, sometimes they're forced and, and then I giggle and I <laughs> say that to them. They'll say, why are you here? And they'll say, my mom's making me. And I'm like, thanks for being honest. I appreciate that. But if they actually don't want to change, we can't. Mm-hmm. So... Just understanding that our job is to, again, to listen, to create emotional safe places for them to unpack things or just to connect and be in relationship. But ultimately, they have to choose to make the changes. Mm -hmm. And I think when we can put those boundaries in place to say, that's not my job. My job is to do what I can do or what I can offer, then it actually takes the burden off of what we're responsible for. And then, of course, Jen, what you're saying, ultimately God's responsible even for saving them, right? If they choose to walk away from their faith or they don't want anything to do with it, do we then say, well, sorry, then we can't be friends with you or we can't work with you, which I've seen and it actually causes more damage when we as youth workers say, oh, okay, well, if you don't want to do that, then I guess I can't be in relationship with you. Because they make bad choices sometimes or choices that we would not want for them. Mm. But, okay, so let's walk through this one then. <laughs> so, yeah, it's tricky. That's a, I'm also just sitting with that. I'm like, yeah, I, I think that that's a tendency to only care about kids if we can change them. And I think that uh, learning to just love people for the fact that they're people is like a really good practice. Um, so thank you for saying that. I think that when we allow, when we allow, or when we as adults or youth workers or parents love the kids or the teens or the whoever in our life, um, regardless of what their decisions are, then we allow God to do what he needs to do. Mm-hmm. And it just creates, it takes the pressure off of us and it allows them to be in, again, to have um, emotional safety. And then God can do the hard work. That's up to him. Mm -hmm. Thank you for saying that. 
Um, what would you say have been the greatest joys and challenges of ministry? Um, I think, I think I'll start with the challenges. <laughs> the challenges I think actually are, um, quite frankly, hearing stories and the heartache that is going on. Um, because particularly, uh, when you hear story after story of heartache and brokenness and, um, it can wear on you after a while if I don't keep giving it back to the Lord. And so I think that's the significance as well as we walk with really hurting people, if we're not able to pass it off and say, okay, Lord, this is yours. I can do what I can do and you do the rest. I think it can really wear on us. And I find that sometimes very challenging. And I know when I'm either um, needing a break or haven't spent enough time with God, that it can, that it, that can become very challenging. Um, the joys kind of on the same thing would be walking, um, having the privilege of walking with people and allowing them to either, uh, see things differently or understand a situation that they're going through and they can have a totally different take on it. Um, when I was doing youth ministry, like before with just in the school and stuff, it was just being in relationship. I think teenagers are amazing. Like they're awesome human beings. Mm -hmm. So I always learn so much for them. And, um, I think often as adults, we go, Oh, I have so much to teach. And I always think, Oh, I think we have a lot to learn actually. <laughs> so I've always enjoyed that, right. Always being open to learning and just being reminded of yeah, things I can do differently or grow. Or sometimes when you're with these teenagers and they just love Jesus so much, I'm just, I find it such a privilege to walk um, and be inspired by them actually. So that's a huge joy. Um, and the other part is, of course, um, someone said to me very early on in ministry that you don't see, you don't see the benefits of ministry right away. Like if you're only there for a year, you don't see it. And so the long-term long time ministry stuff, you start to see where they end up. And that also is such a joy when you get to walk with teens for so long. And then, you know, they're in their thirties and they come back and they say, oh my goodness, this happened. And I've run into a couple in the community and it's just, that is a gift to see that you actually had a little piece of influence or, um, the ability to make a small change in someone's life. That's a gift. So that would be the joys for sure. As you think over your over the years and your involvement in youth ministry, however it, it's looked, how has God formed you and changed you as you've served others? I think that's a great question. I think that when I started, I thought I could change people and I... Um, I was going to do things differently and I had lots of great things to say. And, um, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it was selfish. I don't know what it was, but, uh, I think what God has done is through the bumps of just life, you start to realize that <laughs> you're not that important actually. <laughs> um, and I love, um, I think there's just uh, more empathy to listen to people's stories and definitely to not feel so responsible for them. And it's just allowed this um, 
again, this privilege of being able to walk with young people, um, teenagers, families, whoever it may be, and just to encourage them from a totally different lens. I don't feel like the burden that I have to save people or make people see things the way that I see them. Um, but rather, there's a richness to things when you just are able to say, okay, Lord, you get to do the hard work and I get to be where you've put me. And this is the season that I'm in right now. And uh, again, I see it as a privilege. Um, but that angst or anxiety of making sure I do it right is definitely not uh, the same as it was when I started. So, yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> that's, yeah, I think I, that's like really rich and beautiful in the depth that like the transformation that God allows us to go on and the transformation that he does in our own lives as we serve others. Like I, I don't know. I feel like every episode that we have talking to, I mean, the last season, however many months we've been talking with YFC staff, I just always, I have at least one moment where I'm just kind of like in awe of God's goodness. And yeah, that, yeah, that in his grace, he allows us to do that. And in his grace, he changes us and changes our heart. So thank you yeah. for, thank you for sharing no that. Our last question to wrap up our conversation mm -hmm. here. What is the best piece of advice you've been given uh, can I, I actually have two that I, I'm like, okay, which one do I use? Um, Go for it. is that okay? <laughs> oh, you can cut one out, right? <laughs> no, we love it. Do both, do both. So, um, <laughs> so, um, kind of going on the same thing we were just, just talking about, I think is, um, and for a while we were, I was joking with friends cause, um, again, when you start in ministry, I, f when I started, I felt like I had to prove something almost, right? Like I was, um, great at what I was doing and I could do everything. And now it's like, pick your lane. So we always joked about getting t-shirts that said, stay in your lane. And <laughs> I am not many things, but I definitely know now I feel like, um, where my gifts are spiritual gifts and, um, picking that lane or staying in that lane and then letting other people, do what they're really good at. And then it goes, it talks about, right, the body of Christ. And so I offer one thing, but without other people bringing in their parts, then it, it's kind of bizarre to think that we can be all things to all people. So definitely that one stay, stay in your lane for sure. Um, because we have much, we have much more, uh, or what's, we have much more impact when we stay in our lane than we do if we try to do everything and it's not quite as exhausting. And then the other piece was that character eventually catches up. And what I mean by that is I think sometimes we run into situations or people where we may, we might see the bigger picture or understand what's see a little things differently. And the instinct would be to run in and go and accuse or be angry or make it right because we think it's wrong. And I think what, what I've, from that statement, just watching and being like, first of all, it's not my job to make sure everybody, to prove that everybody's wrong if I think it is, because sometimes I'm not right, of course, right? But if character is, is off slightly or there's stuff in a character situation, eventually it comes out. I think event character eventually shows up, but ultimately God gets to decide that it's not up. It's not up to me. So, 
um, being mindful of that, what does that mean with my character and what, how am I presenting and am I doing what God's asking me to do or is my motive off? And if it is, then that's between me and the Lord and not between, um, not for me to prove to anyone else, except for the people that pointed out to me, <laughs> which thank goodness there are people like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah for sure. So that character eventually catches up and stay in your lane. Those are the two. Mm. Both good pieces of advice. Thank you for that. Um, and thank you for being here. And, uh, you know, it's just been a joy to chat with you this morning. But, um, yeah, just a joy to know just the the love that you give to your youth, but also to youth workers. Like, I know you do um, some, you know, teaching and speaking different places. I've been able to um, hear a little bit about your stuff. I remember going to a workshop it was a long time ago now it was when i would have first and you were talking about girls and sexuality and um some of the neuroscience behind some of those things and i still remember that being so helpful in a lot of the conversations and stories that i had so thank you for just the overarching um gift that you give through your love and your knowledge to people it, it is awesome so um yeah and it's just great that you could join us today so thanks for that Thanks for having me. And um, yeah, I, I hope this continues. This sounds like a great ministry you have going on here. Yeah, we hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We have more amazing conversations like this coming up that you will not want to miss. So make sure you subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're using so you never miss a Monday episode. And you can follow us on social media by finding us on Instagram and Facebook at Just Work Friends. And we would love it if you gave us a review. Also, just want you to know, next week we have a super special episode coming up. So make sure that you are here next Monday. Green Spink and new season coming up. <laughs> I think your laugh has gotten goofier over the years. <laughs> I think so. You just you laugh harder than you used to. I think I do. <laughs> Toodaloo, everyone. Have a good week. <laughs> <laughs>